If you're interested in learning how to lucid dream, then you've almost certainly come across the concept of reality testing, also known as reality checks. But what if I were to tell you that almost everything about reality testing online is a little bit misleading and that most people performing reality tests don't really know why they're performing them or how to maximize the potential of their reality tests. So in today's Lucid Dream podcast, I'm going to teach you how to truly understand the concept of reality testing. I'm Daniel Love of thelucidguide.com. I'm a sleep and dream researcher and lucid dream teacher. So it's my job to make sure that when you're performing your lucid dream practices, that you're doing them correctly. And nothing is more fundamental than the reality test practice. So reality testing is a staple of lucid dreaming. But what exactly is it? Well, today I'm not going to go into the particular techniques or the particular styles of reality tests, but look at the mindset of reality testing and when you should reality test, because these are the things that most people get wrong. Now, the fundamental idea of a reality test is to practice during your waking hours to be mindful of the moment and to question if you're dreaming. And the idea is, is that if you do that often enough, that habit will transfer into your dreams. And when you're dreaming, the habit will kick in. You'll question whether you're dreaming. You'll perform a test and realize that you're dreaming. It seems like a really simple concept, but it's so subtle that it's very easy to get wrong. So in order to understand the subtleties of reality testing, Let's look at something which would be very similar if it existed. Let's assume you are someone who is interested in the nature of happiness and you wanted to remember to write down details about happiness when you are happy. You wanted to be mindful of your happiness and record details. How would you go about doing that? Now, I want you to take a moment just to think carefully. How would you train yourself to remember to be aware of your happiness when you are happy? So you might notice that there are some parallels here. When you're feeling happy, you tend to be caught up in the moment and not feeling very mindful. It's an emotionally strong state and you're all engaged. And it's not until after the fact that you would think, crikey, I was supposed to record what it was that was making me happy and you've missed the moment. That is almost identical to dreaming. So let's look at some wrong ways to catch when you're happy. And you'll notice that these are very similar to the common advice when it comes to reality testing, and you'll realize why it's so wrong. So you might think, well, I'm not very mindful when I'm happy, so one thing I could do is set an alarm every hour to remind myself to check whether I'm happy at that moment. But of course, that's not a very precise way of doing things, and the chances are that you're not going to be happy when the alarm goes off. You're probably going to be doing something totally unrelated. Out of all the alarms going off, maybe one in a hundred will catch you when you're feeling happy. Not a very effective way to achieve what you're trying to achieve. Equally, you might think, well, I'll look for external cues to remind me to check. So let's say every time I see a blue car, I'll check whether I'm happy. And again, the same problem raises its ugly head. The chances of you seeing a blue car at the exact moment that you're happy are incredibly slim. Not at all precise. So if you think a little deeper, 
you might think to yourself, well, external cues are just too broad and I'm, they're never going to catch me at the right moment. Maybe I need cues which happen only when I'm happy. So, for example, a particular friend might make you always very happy, a particular place might make you very often happy, that sort of thing. These would be happiness signs similar to dream signs, things that happen regularly in dreams. So far with our analogy, we have three distinct ways of attempting to catch yourself when you're feeling happy. And these relate to the three distinct ways in which people teach reality testing, because the two are very, very similar. But there's a lot more to this, and it's also ignoring the fundamental problem with both happiness and dreaming. And that is that you're not engaged and you're not mindful when these things occur. So even if you're training yourself to spot similarities to when you're feeling happy, such as seeing your friend, the chances of you actually catching those moments when you are happy because you're so engaged in the moment are incredibly slim. We still haven't cracked the nut of reality testing or happiness testing at the right time. So let's look at the actual problem. When you're feeling happy or when you're dreaming, you are not mindful in that moment. You are awash with an emotional state or caught up in autopilot. That is the nature of these things. Critical thinking doesn't tend to be present when you're feeling happy or when you're in a dream. So how do we get ourselves to think critically when by the nature of the event, we're not in a critical state? So let's go back to the concept of dream signs or happiness signs in our analogy. Those things that occur often at the same time as us feeling happy or us being in a dream. Now, the problem with these is, again, they're not all that precise. You can't guarantee that whenever you see Brian that you're going to feel happy. In fact, the times that you're seeing Brian and you're not happy are the times when you're going to be more mindful because you're not caught up in the, uh, the situation and the happiness. The issue here is that the ultimate dream sign and the ultimate happiness sign is not being mindful, not being critical, not being present. There is no clearer indication that you are dreaming or happy than not being aware. So now we're stuck with what seems like a paradox, because the ultimate sign that you're dreaming or the ultimate sign that you're happy is that you're not present in the moment. So how do you be present in the moment when you're not present in the moment? It's kind of enough to make your brain melt out of your ears. How do you achieve that? Well, fortunately, there is a solution, and it boils down to distraction. So the problem in both of our scenarios is that the times when you do think to check are the times when you're not likely to be in those states, because thinking to check is the opposite of the nature of that state. So, for example, you're seeing Brian, who usually makes you happy, but you're not feeling happy this time, and therefore you remember to check whether you're happy because you're not caught up in the moment. So what this means for lucid dreaming and reality tests is that most lucid dreamers perform reality tests when they're in the least dreamlike state of mind. So they're essentially training the part of their brain that doesn't need to be trained. 
the part of your brain that you're trying to bring into the dream world is the critical part of the brain. That is already critically thinking. It doesn't need reality tests added to the mix. It's already ready to be in the dream. Reality testing is about training the untrained, the uncritical parts of your brain to engage critical thinking. Now, this is where it gets very, very slippy and very, very tricky. But fortunately for us, there is a spectrum of distraction and a spectrum of happiness. So just as you can have a bit of a smile all the way up to a roaring belly laugh and completely out of it with happiness, you can have being slightly distracted to being completely on another planet. Now it is the lower end of the spectrum that we start training as lucid dreamers. So we've established that distraction and autopilot is the ultimate dream sign. So therefore, we need to start looking at the nature of what distracts us in our waking life and looking for the lower end of the spectrum and start training that part of the brain to engage critical thinking. Now, in our analogy, this would be the equivalent of someone who's trying to capture happiness looking out for every time they smiled. They're not going to be completely distracted by happiness at that point. They're just having a little bit of a grin. And that will be much easier to catch than the roaring belly laugh. And this is where the analogy breaks down a little bit, because at least with happiness, we have some very obvious signs. A smile is the start of happiness. And at that point, we're not distracted enough and we can catch that moment. Now, you need to start looking at your dreams and thinking about dream signs in a different way. When you look at your dream journal, look at how you're distracted, what kind of person you are, what kind of mindset you're in. What is the nature of distraction in your dreams? So an example I have, my non-lucid dreams often contain moments of anxiety, sometimes quite extreme anxiety. So in my waking life, if I feel just a bubbling, tiny smile of anxiety, that is a moment for me to engage critical thinking at the very first point that it starts to bubble up. That is the time I perform a reality test. So what we're trying to do is to establish the nature of distractions in our dreams and to find similar states in waking life, but when the volume is low and that we still are present enough to catch them. It's a case of finding those in-between states between critical thinking and distraction. But to do that, you need to understand how your mind becomes distracted. Now, your dream journal is a wealth of knowledge. It is basically a list of distractions. And then you take those distractions, which are the true dream signs, and you apply them to your waking life, and you try to find those in-between states and use those as targets for reality testing. And as you do this, as you practice this more and more, you'll be able to take that state of critical thinking further into distraction. What this means for lucid dreamers is that in your waking life, as you practice over the months and years, that you become less mindless and less distracted and more present in the moment. So what we're really aiming to do is to gain 
ground. So only a small segment of your waking life is spent in a critical mindset. And there are many, many times when you're distracted and on autopilot. Now that varies on a spectrum between not very distracted to extremely distracted, and we will gain territory starting at the lowest part of that spectrum and moving critical thinking deeper and deeper into the territory of distraction. And then in our dream world, which is the realm of distraction and autopilot, the more we've gained territory, the higher our chances of becoming lucid in our dreams. And this is why reality tests always have to be performed in a mindful, critical state. If you allow your reality test to become rote actions, to become autopilot, then you're not gaining territory, you're losing it. A reality test is a moment of critical thinking, a moment of questioning, in a moment when you would normally be distracted or on autopilot. So hopefully now you understand the subtleties of reality testing, why you do it and when you do it. These are the important things. Reality testing, as it's generally taught, doesn't get down to the key problem, the key issue we're trying to fix. Anyway, I hope today has given you a little food for thought, and I'll see you in the next podcast.